Good morning and welcome to Grace. I'm Pastor Ryan. Today's message begins the part three in our year-long endeavor to integrate the Lordship of King Jesus into each sphere of our lives. For this series, we will be addressing how the Word of God instructs us to follow Jesus' rule within marriage. Thanks for listening today as we lay some of the necessary groundwork in our comprehension and obedience to our Lord's design for marriage. When I was in junior high, I tried out for uh, the basketball team, and I had been playing basketball uh, with my buddies at recess ever since fifth grade. My dad would have uh, me out after school in the driveway, and my sister and I battling, and so having gained a little bit of confidence to play the game, I thought I knew it all. And then I went to junior high school, or not junior high, it was JV, JV basketball. Uh, the coach over in Florence was a guy named Tom Beck. I don't know if I should even mention his name in case anybody knows him. Uh, <laughs> that dude made us run and run and run. We were some of the most well-conditioned, tired basketball players you will ever see. And uh, I remember on the, something like the first or the second practice, um, there was a, a realization that the way in which we had gone about playing at recess was not going to fly with Tom as the coach. He had a completely different uh, plan in mind for how to get us to play as a team. Uh, in fact, the star player at recess, a guy named Jeff, got cut. And I remember that as soon as the coach cuts the best player because he's not following instructions, the rest of us kind of uh, ready to take orders after that. See, up until this point, we had thought we figured out how to play. The rules at recess were completely different than the rules at JV. If you were going to find out who the best player was, well, it was largely the one who kept the ball to himself for the most time. And then for the rest of us, that seemed to work fine. Of course, you would have others who were being underdeveloped. Uh, It wasn't like we were playing any championship games at recess, but we had come to an understanding. You knew how to divide up the teams. Whatever team Jeff was on was the team that was going to win. And if if you were going to beat them, you really had to work together as a team. Jeff, um, Tom, Tom wasn't having any of that. See, he was the coach. He had a design in mind for how you're not going to play as a superstar. You're not going to play with whatever is um, accepted amongst the kids at recess. We're not going to just do it the easiest way. We've always done it. And we certainly, you made this clear, certainly weren't going to elevate one player exalted above all the rest. We had to learn how to play as a team. I want you to know God has a design in the way in which we live with one another. We have been in a series through this year that is seeking to unpack last year's theme, which was King Jesus. Do you remember that from 2022? That was our theme, King Jesus. Every sermon, every series circled around that theme. And this year, 2023, we've sought to look at our lives as in the way in which we can divide them up from from the smallest personal discipleship that you would do with Jesus and yourself, 
all the way down to the widest reach we can have in international missions. And we want to ask the question, how is King Jesus and his authority coming to bear to explain to us how we should live? And so we've been through missions. That was this summer. Uh, We covered our own relationship within our community with our neighbors. That was this past spring. And through the month of November, we're going to be looking at the smallest circle of interaction that you have with someone else, and that's in your marriage. Husbands and wives, men and women, how has God designed our roles so that we function in the way that brings him the glory? We need to know that beginning into this series, uh, we're going to encounter a lot of friction with the world. So I, I would already anticipate that there may be some friction here as well. You all have, myself included, grown up in a world that has sought to define roles for husbands and wives, roles for men and women. In fact, the definition of marriage itself under the assault of cultural glory that we need a reformation in how we think. And so that reformation for us is going to come from God's word. And through this series, here's what I want to ask of you. I want you to watch for every Sunday, this Sunday starting and everyone following, I want you to watch for the authority of the king. That's what I want you to watch for. Because not only has God given us the truth of the design for what a marriage should look like, he's actually actually modeled it. In the person of Jesus Christ, which might seem surprising to you because Jesus was never what? Yeah, Jesus was never married. So how in the world, how in the world could God not only give the design, but also model this form of relationship, even though our Savior himself was never married? That's what I want you to watch for. How the authority of Jesus Christ is what we will lean and rely on to give definition for your obedience as a husband and your obedience as a wife. Now, if you're not married, you still need to come to church. um, Actually, what I would ask of you, uh, you will see as we begin this series with some necessary foundations this morning, you'll see that there is a correspondence that can be found in how we relate to one another, even though you're not married, that can also be seen as modeled through Jesus. But more than that, more than that, Listen, the foundation of our society rests on the bedrock of a marriage, on the institution of marriage, on the covenant of marriage. That is what human society rests upon. In fact, the very first relationship outside of the human in relating to God was when God brought the woman to the man and presenting her to him, joined them so that they are no longer two, but they are now one flesh. That is the foundation of human society. And so we're entering into some extremely important territory. For our entire study, we are going to be found in the book of Ephesians. If you have your Bibles, let me invite you to turn there with me. And uh, this morning is going to be um, uh, kind of a, a, a primer on this subject. Uh, I'm, I'm going to attempt to just re- rely singularly on one verse. Uh, and then we're, we're going to look at a little bit of context around that one verse But ultimately, the conclusions and application we find are going to come from Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. If you have your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 
21, and then we're going to pick up a little bit more of the context. Paul writes this to the church in Ephesus. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's it. That's the verse. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. In our unpacking of this, uh, we're going to first of all look back in chapter 5. Then we're going to look forward into chapter 5. And then we're going to look right at the verse itself. So just to start out by looking back, you don't catch this in English. In fact, uh, if your Bible says submit, it's actually doing its best to give you an, an English gloss of what is a Greek participle. But it's a, it's a participle found in a series of participles, five in fact, that are all flowing from one single thought. And that thought begins all the way back in verse 18 of chapter 5. Look with me back there. Verse 18 says, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. The word that Paul gives here for us, for Spirit filling, is given in a continual sense. It means that you and I are going to have to return to this again and again and again and again. It's different than the baptism of the Spirit, which is a one-time event that locks you into the family of God and the promises of God. But the filling, the filling is something that you and I need every day. We need it every day. How long will your car run without gas? So where do you find yourself again? Quick trip is what I heard. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) I like to think of our spiritual lives in our depravity somewhat like leaky buckets. A bucket that's got holes in the bottom of it and that we are ever in our conforming to the likeness of Christ trying to patch those holes. So you start out in your Christian journey pretty, pretty leaky. Hopefully as you mature in Christ, you don't leak quite as much. But here's the truth you're going to continue to battle against the flesh and against the devil and against the world, and you will need to return to being filled again. Meaning, in fact, if you look with me in the text, the contrast here is drunkenness, right? Don't get drunk on wine, because what what does wine do to the human? It controls them, does it not? Alcohol controls them so they're no longer in control of their faculties. That's what it means to be filled. It means to be controlled by the Spirit. You and I need to learn to be controlled by the Spirit. And then Paul, as soon as he starts off with that concept, you, be filled, be controlled by the Holy Spirit, he gives five participles. These participles are, uh, commentators will sometimes ask, are these um, means or results? Like, are, are these the ways in which you get filled, or are these the result of being filled? Um, almost unanimously, there's agreement that we're not talking about means here. This is the result of somebody who is filled. And so, if you look with me, what does it mean to be filled? Well, in verse 19, speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. That Only spirit-filled people do that. Sing. Number two, that's the next participle. Sing and make music. That's two and three right there. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. Only spirit-filled people do that. 20, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus. That's the fourth one. Only spirit-filled people give thanks. And then fifthly, submit or submitting 
to one another out of reverence for Christ. So what this tells us is our first observation is following God's design in marriage is evidence of spirit-filled Christians. If you have the Spirit of God living in you, you will not be able to continue to live in relationship with your spouse the way the world does. Now, are you going to have bad moments? I've heard some grumbled amens on that one. Yeah. Are you going to have some arguments? Are you going to have some times of lapse in decision in uh, uh, giving in to sinful behaviors? Is that going to happen? Yeah, that's going to happen. But if you're a Christian, you can't continue there. You can't continue there. You can't live there. In fact, you cannot allow the world's concept of marriage to define your relationship because the Spirit of God will not permit it. If you are Spirit-filled, then you will have to return once more to saying, Lord, what is your design for marriage? What, what is it that you would have me do? How can I best, best model your will and therefore your glory in my relationship with my spouse? That's only what Spirit-filled people do. Now, as I have um, been, if I had Emily here, I think it's like, oh, I just got myself in trouble now. 18 years, 19 years. <laughs> Shoot. Uh, we'll pretend it's 19. Let's pretend it's 19. I think it is 19 years. Uh, I'm so far off my notes right now, you guys, on this illustration. Here, here's where I was going with it. I was going to say that I'm getting better. That's what I was going to say. And I feel like I've, I've dug myself a little hole in trying to do that this morning. Um, here's, as I'm turning shades of red, what I'm trying to say. Uh, I don't think I was hitting uh, base hits every time, every day uh, living with my wife. I don't, I don't think I, I think I was striking out sometimes. I do think I was. But I think that as God has been a greater influence in my life, as my heart continues to be shaped according to truth, I think I'm starting to figure it out more. I think I am. Uh, I, I don't know about you, but maybe the depiction of what a husband deserves, maybe a depiction of what a husband should be like as defined by the world is something that you need to shed. That there is a picture of godliness that's given to husbands that doesn't come from the world. And I think I'm starting to figure that out a little bit more. So as we've looked at this verse 21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, we need to know that this is following in a line of participles that define how the spirit is revealed in the life of a Christian or perhaps how he's absent. The warning would be, and pay attention to the warning, if God's design for marriage does not strike a chord with your soul, you may not have the Holy Spirit ruling in your life. It still may be yourself in charge there. In which case, we would love to talk to you about what it means to give your life to Jesus. Secondly, verse 21 of chapter 5 is going to lead into a, a, a triism of relationships. So you'll see the very next verse now. In fact, if you have a heading in your Bible, mine says wives and husbands. Um, that this is going to follow three headings, wives and husbands, chapter 6, children and parents, and chapter 6, verse 
five uh, slaves and masters. That what the Apostle Paul does is as soon as he begins with this foundation of submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ, he's now going to talk about what that mutual submission looks like. You, you, might, you might struggle with this. And part of that is because of the language that's used here. But you cannot begin a conversation about husbands and wives outside of the context of verse 21. Because generally speaking, many in the church have taught wives need to, look at verse 22. Wives need to, men, what's it say? Wives need to. Oh, that was so quiet. Some of you, yeah, you know. There, there, are, some, there are some men who even in church have been, have been amplified with this idea that it is a wife's role to submit and that the, the man is not carrying any form of submission. I'm here to tell you that is wrong. That is wrong. Now, number one, you can't miss verse 22. You're going to hear about this next Sunday in relation to wives that submission is a key aspect of their functional relationship in the marriage. But husbands also have a form of submission. It just looks different. Husbands as well submit to their wives, but not in the same way that wives submit to their husbands. Again, the trouble we're going to have here is with that single word submission and the way and the baggage that it carries outside of church and frankly inside of the church. And so the second thing I want you to see is that following God's design for marriage requires mutual yet functionally unique forms of submission. All right, that's kind of a mouthful. I want to make sure that we talk through it in a, for a minute just to make sure we understand this. Um, of the two, and again, you're going to see these unpacked in the next two Sundays, um, I'm calling uh, for the wife, I'm calling it radiant subordination. That there is a, there is a correct godly, functional form of submission to which God has designed wives. And for husbands, I'm calling it redemptive authority. Not this kind of my way or the highway sort of authority that buck stops here. That's not it at all. It's a redemptive form of authority. It's in fact the kind modeled for us by Jesus. And so without, and this is a little hard as a preacher, without wanting to just unpack all of that this morning, What I want the church to know is that if we're going to proceed in uncovering the way the Spirit of God is going to design for us submission to Christ, we need to know that wives do that in a unique way and husbands do that in a unique way. They are functionally different. They're functionally unique. Nevertheless, they are both forms of submission. If uh, if this is... If there's something new you're hearing or if this is a hard thing to hold on to, um, I'm going to the Bahamas. So you guys can, you can, <laughs> you can argue with the other elders after that. Set you guys up for that. Uh, I tried to think of an illustration to best communicate this idea of um, um, functionally unique. And I thought of the pedals in your car. Uh, what are the two pedals you got in your car? You have a gas pedal and a brake, and brake pedal. Let me ask you, which, which is the most important? Interesting question, isn't it? Like, which is the most important of these two pedals? And the answer is, it sort of depends, right? I mean, it sort of depends on the situation that you're in. Because without the gas pedal, I mean, you're just sitting in a box. That's it. Doesn't do anything. Uh, The brake, by the way, is useless without the gas pedal. 
But let's say you're careening down the highway. How functionally helpful is that gas pedal when the deer jumps out in front of you? You, 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 you need another pedal that is functionally unique and serves a different purpose. Now, I'll let you decide on your way home which of you is the gas and which of you is the brake. <laughs> I'm not going to go further on that. Well, and that's exactly right, Marvin. That, that's the point I want to try to communicate, that both of these are um, cr- critically and equally necessary. The brake has no function without the gas. The gas has no function without the brake. They need each other in order to function properly. And if you wanted to carry the illustration even further, you'll see that each one has a little bit of submission that they have to give in order for the other to utilize its role. Um, I don't want to go much further on that other than to just really drill down the point that God's design for marriage requires mutual submission that are functionally different from one another. And so that's what what we see. That's what we're going to unpack over these next few uh, Sundays together. Thirdly and lastly, and this is key, is that following God's design for marriage must be motivated through a personal yielding to the power rule and authority of Jesus Christ. Go back with me again to verse 21. Submit to one another. All right, we've covered the word submit. It's a participle. It means that's how I demonstrate spirit filling. Uh, Submit to one another. That means the the wife is submitting as she's told and commanded to in verse 22. The husband as well is submitting. Because verse 21 tells us we're to submit to one another, even though it looks different. But why? Why should we do this? And it's the end of verse 21. Do you see what it says? Out of reverence for Christ. Now, the word reverence here is the Greek word for fear. Um, I, I think I looked it up. There was only one translation in about 11 that actually said out of fear for Christ. And uh, as I was checking the commentaries on this, uh, one that I found useful said that preachers shouldn't soft pedal the idea of fear and make it somehow equatable to just respect well, because I respect Christ. But I also want to make sure that you don't communicate this idea of terror or fright because that's not what it means either. So what we're, what we're at is we're stuck in a necessary interpret, interpretation that's going to be grounded in the first century use of the word fear. Without the Bible study time that I'd like to do to flip to all the passages that reference this, even though one of them shows up in chapter 6, fear is going to be used specifically when you are referencing someone's authority. That's what it means. When Paul says submit to one another out of fear of Christ, what he means is submit to one another, meaning follow God's design in marriage and all your other relationships because you recognize his authority. You recognize his authority. He's in charge. And if he's in charge, then you need to do what he says. I'm reminded of the verses where Jesus asks with bewilderment, why do you call me Lord? But you don't do what I say. This may be one of the uh, primest examples that you could come to in the Bible where you could almost have God giving you the answer, because I said so. Have you ever tried that as a parent, right? Go do this. Why? Because I said so. That's it. That's all the more reason that you need to know it. Um, that, for you and I, needs to be enough for this. When it comes to marriage, that needs to be enough. We submit to one another because he said so. That's it. 
Now, I want to make sure as much as I think you're tracking with me on that, I don't want this to be the kind of thing where you're like, fine, I will, all right, fine. (laughs) Wrong. That's not the, it's the heart that matters through this. It's the heart that matters. And so I listed it here as a personal yielding. It's personal yielding. For for the Christian who's walking in the spirit, this is not going to be hard for you. Remember, that's the evidence of spirit leading. But for the Christian who is, oh, stuck in the way you've done it forever, uh, this is going to be tough. And I want to give you just an illustration for that. Um, Your radar antenna might need an adjustment. Uh, The other day I was traveling north on 95 and I was listening to a radio station, kind of jamming along with the music. And as I kept going north, I started to hear, (laughs) started to lose the station. Right? I'm, I'm losing my reception. How's your, how's your reception right now with the Spirit of God in your life? How, how keenly are you aware of what God is speaking to you for how you should live? Because some of us might need to just tune the dial a little bit. Make sure that the antenna is tuned properly. Because if you miss it, he's speaking, if you miss it, you will find yourself living outside of God's design for marriage. And I don't have to spend the time this morning for you and I to find agreement on how vastly depraved our world has become on marriage. So don't think that there, there is some protection that you've got that's not requiring you to check your dial. You live in the cacophony of bad advice. You live over the abundance of bad radio stations that are going to tell you the wrong information. You got to, you got to tune in to the Holy Spirit. And that's my primary application for us today. Tune your heart. Tune your heart to the Spirit's control in your marriage and embrace God's designed role for you because you honor Jesus's authority. That's, that's a mouthful, but that's it. And so part of my challenge to you is we're starting into this series, and that's all it is today. We're just starting. This is like the end of my message, which about on time for where we know. That as we walk forward into this, you, you will find yourself frustrated if you are not listening and seeking to follow where the Spirit would confirm truth in your heart. And so tune your heart. Tune your heart. Because God's designed it. God's the one in charge. Tom Beck was the guy in charge of our team, and we had our own way of doing things. And so I want to give you just a couple of warnings. Be very careful with your own cultural convictions. Right? Over at recess, we had our own way of doing things. We were happy with that. It worked fine for us. Everybody knew, give Jeff the ball, we're going to have a good time, then we'll go and study math. But that's not how it works when the coach is in charge. So be very careful with what the culture is telling you. Secondly, be very careful settling in your marriage for what is easiest. This may be, this may be the biggest one for Christians today. You, I, I have no doubt you and your spouse have come to a place where you guys are pretty, I mean, we're fine. We get along. We're going to make it till the end. All right. Awesome. That's what it, those were the vows that you gave, right? When you got married, we're going to make it. No, we've, we all know that there's friction and challenges there. And so be very careful settling in your marriage outside of something God has greater for you. Wives, there is an amazing blessing to be found in your relationship with the Father as you learn to submit to your husband. 
Husbands, there is an amazing blessing to be found in God's giftedness for your function in the home as you learn to give yourself up for your bride. Not sitting there asking her to make you a sandwich or flipping the remote control, watching the game, but sacrificing for her. There's amazing blessings to be seen in that. But I'll tell you what, it's a lot easier. It's a lot easier just to make it through the day. So be very careful with that. Lastly, be careful that you are not defining your roles according to your own lordship. Uh, that's what we had in, in um, JV. Um, Jeff came back, actually. The coach led him back on the team. Thankfully, we were all really glad that Jeff came back. Um, but Jeff had to yield his own glory, his own familiarity with the game. He, he had to stop doing it just the way he wanted to do it. He had to listen to the coach. And Christian, that's what you need to do as well. Jesus's kingship, Jesus's authority has come to teach us the right way to build our society on this foundational covenantal institution. Let's go there together. Amen. Amen. Let's pray.